0: My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber, I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer, and you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity and the human condition. Hello everyone, welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing today?
1: I was doing great until about half an hour ago we tried to start recording this podcast and we've been messing around with trying to record it remotely using some new software which didn't end up working,
0: so now we're using the old method of recording it separately. Yeah, it's a bit insane that this still has to be done in, yeah. in 2020. Because, like, t- to record a, p- a podcast remotely, we are on Zoom US with microphones plugged into separate systems, recording on separate SD cards. And then we have to go through the bother of recording the Zoom call, synchronizing all the microphones in post, and then doing all sorts of stuff to it. Like, there must be something that solves this problem.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know how this is still an issue. People need to stop thinking about driverless cars ai and just yeah, like you know va-
0: vaccination coronavirus yeah just forget <laughs> about all that <laughs> uh, the truth is that podcast bros <laughs> don't have the re- <laughs> especially in red with like remote recording it just doesn't work anyway how how, how, are you, how are you actually doing um i'm actually doing all right i'm doing all right actually <laughs> <laughs>
1: there we go That's better. um i had a uh i had a zoom breakfast with some friends this morning that was my first like you know, sanctioned Zoom (laughs) social event. Nice. Um, Excellent. So, yeah, there were four of us. uh, We had breakfast together and and, uh, chatted. We usually go to a cafe uh, in West Hampstead called the Wet Fish Cafe. And uh, we found some pictures of it on Google Images and set set that as our Zoom virtual background (laughs) so we could pretend we were still at the Wet Fish Cafe.
0: Oh, Uh, that's cute. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I've got a, a quiz night with some friends, a Zoom quiz night tonight. Oh, nice which yeah, which I friends is this actually this is uh, wait, we shouldn't just chit ch- chat
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one cares
0: <laughs> no one actually cares yeah. um what i think what you're trying to say is we should move on to the sponsor of this episode which is you guessed it skillshare yeah tamar what is skillshare
1: skillshare is the best way to learn anything online with
0: uh it's like netflix for online classes fantastic yeah so you you guys should all go to skillshare.com slash not overthinking because firstly it helps support the podcast but secondly you get a two-month free trial of premium and guess what i've actually got two of my own classes on skillshare one of them is a class on how to edit videos using final cut which is a bit niche fair enough if you want to be a youtuber and become rich and famous then sure then that's awesome but like 10 days ago i released a brand new class called Uh, How to Study for Exams, an evidence-based masterclass, and it's got 36 videos and spans like four and a half hours of content, and the reviews from that are very positive. People are saying this is the single best use of my time that I've ever used in my whole life because in this class, I literally take you step-by-step all the evidence-based study techniques. So if you've ever felt that, oh, my grades are a bit crap and I'm feeling like I'm having to do too much work to study, to do well in my exams, then maybe this class will be for you. And hopefully you'll find some tips along there. And we split it up into step one, understanding, step two, remembering, and step three, focusing. Uh, And within these 36 videos, we talk about all of these topics. So if you want to check that out, along with a load of other classes, over the next two months, for free, you should go to skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking. And then that also really helps our podcast out because then Skillshare likes us and then we'll sponsor more episodes. So then maybe we can invest in a proper remote recording setup. How, how was that as the plug? Uh, that was fantastic. That could
1: not have been better. Thank you. Uh, no, the class sounds, uh, the class sounds good. What, what, are we,
0: uh, what are we talking about this week? All right, mate. This week, it's your favorite topic. Uh, we are talking about Productivity yes <laughs> <laughs> oh i uh, love it yeah I, I i bet you do it's it's been a while since we've done a good old <laughs> a good classic cl- uh podcast podcast about productivity and basically i want to use you as a sounding board uh, as uh one often does in these podcasts and i want to talk you through various principles strategies and tools for improving productivity and basically this is going to be the, the main thesis for my upcoming skillshare class which i'm filming Either this evening or sometime during the week about how to be more productive. Does that sound alright?
1: Yeah, it sounds alright. But before we do that, I'd like to just discuss the topic in general and like why. How are you not bored of beating this drum? Okay, actually, I have a question for you. If, yeah. if for example, if creating content was completely out of the question and you weren't allowed to create, co- yeah, if you were not into like the YouTube stuff or whatever, like, are you really? Are you actually just into productivity because it's good content that people are interested in? Like if content didn't exist and you were just yeah you know, th- and you spent your time thinking about stuff that you were purely intrinsically interested in, would you actually be like reading, still reading productivity books and like thinking about this stuff? I find it completely uh, baffling that you're so into it.
0: Okay, I think I would because I, I I probably wouldn't use the word productivity, but I am I am genuinely interested in sort of peak performance to use that <laughs> that buzzword. Okay, and I think it, it you know partly I came across this stuff when I I was studying psychology in in third year, partly kind of prior to that, which got me interested in it. Like, why is it that some people are more motivated than others? Why is it it that people are more consistent than others? Like, you know, what are these these factors that lead to individual differences in these sorts of quote soft skills okay which actually makes like contributes a massive amount to how quote successful people are and we can go into a long conversation about what success actually means but i think it's one of the things that's so universally applicable like everyone thinks they struggle with procrastination everyone thinks they like motivation to do various things i struggle to go to the gym i struggle to eat healthily you know this this is like a fundamental part of the human experience yeah and for you to hate on it just being like oh productivity bros (laughs) is i think unfair (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, I'm not hating on it. I just, I was curious about, it. yeah, I think that, I think that those motivations
0: make sense. It's obviously a very high measure thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but also the fact that I can create content around it means I'm far more intrinsically motivated to <laughs> read and research about it. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. So that's, sort of, yeah, but it's sort of like any kind of writer, you know, if, if someone wasn't writing a book about something, would, would they really spend all that time researching it? They probably would spend some time researching it, but not kind of 100x the time they have to do to write a book about it. So yeah, 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 for sure. That makes sense. Anyway, basically, right. The question is, I think the first question to start with is what is productivity? So what is productivity to you? Because I've got a definition and I want to run it by you. Because like I've added a few things to this definition over time that like, li- like literally blew my mind. Uh, yeah, I'd say
1: there that what the definition should like have a, a couple of ingredients. The first is some element of getting things done. Uh, but then I think another important ingredient is like getting the right things done. Um, okay. yep. and that's the right should the right thing should probably be relative to what you you personally care about so like someone i i you know if, yeah if someone doesn't you know is very happy just tending to their garden all day uh and that's kind of what they do they're being pro- i think that's a they're being productive yeah. no uh, yeah i completely agree if i so yeah i, th- I think it's basically like b- b- being 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 productive is like the ability to get the things done that you care about getting done i guess on the, in the time frame that you care about getting them done in
0: oh mate you're uh, playing right into my hands oh no (laughs) (laughs) no no but like in a good way oh i see that's exactly kind of the the thesis that i'm kind of building up at the start when we're thinking about what is productivity it's about well you know I'm, i'm i'm saying that productivity's kind of started being like a thing that people optimized for in the whole like industrial revolution type era where it's like literally measuring the productivity of factory workers and factories like how productive are they what is the their output and it's usually output divided by time or output output per worker but these days you know in the modern day productivity is the amount of output you can churn out per unit time but then yeah i completely agree there has to be some element of you know the doing the right things and so the equation that i've i'm kind of proposing for productivity is productivity equals useful output over time would you agree so far yeah sure why not and so kind of the, those are the, the three sort of domains that I have split the class up into. It's kind of uh, knowing what the right things to do are, actually doing those right things and then doing those right things in an efficient fashion. Okay, yeah. So that's fine. That's, that's, fairly, yeah, that's fairly a fairly simple definition. I like it. Um, so that's sort of the three part structure. But then the other day when I was thinking about this, I realized there's a fourth element. No. <laughs> yeah. And like genuinely, when I when I realized this fourth element, it like legit blew my mind. All right, <laughs> and then I, me- I mess it to Angus, one of my team members on Slack, and he sort of s- s- sent the mind blown emoji, <laughs> in like in in like a in like a non ironic way. Um, but so we've said that productivity equals useful output over time, but actually, I think there is a a constant that that needs to be multiplied by, and that constant is F, and F stands for the fun factor. Ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> And I realized that the whole, like, if I really boil it down to it, the reason that people think, like, the, the, the reason that I'm so productive and that I do lots of things is because all of them are fun. And if you can kind of increase that fun constant in, in everything you do, it just amplifies your productivity hugely because suddenly motivation consistency discipline willpower all of these things are no longer an issue yeah. because it's fun you find it enjoyable like you know i quite i quite enjoy recording this podcast it's not it's not a real drag most of the time <laughs> uh, and i hope i hope you'd feel the same way <laughs> yeah sure why not <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's go with that uh so that's the productivity equation productivity equals useful output over time multiplied by fun factor yeah i so I, 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 mean, I like the, part the part. fun factor thing i think
1: that's really important
0: mm-hmm. i think uh, okay good old paul graham has an essay where he advocates for this as well oh damn i thought it was original (laughs) (laughs) i think the equation's quite novel cool uh yeah um anyway so then now i'm sort of on on this equation i'm superimposing an analogy that you've come up with oh so, yeah, some, some time ago, and potentially we might have discussed this in a podcast ages ago, you talked about the pilot and the plane. Can you, can you talk us through the pilot and the plane?
1: Yeah, it's like a metaphor for how you might want to operate your own life, where during different parts of your day, you want to play different roles, you know, and there's, there's two principal roles. There is the role of the pilot, who uh, broadly sets the direction of the plane, and then there's a the role of the plane, which just flies in that direction. And, you know, maybe there's some course correcting along the way. And so the, uh, yeah, the framework kind of is that you should, you know, you should find the moments in the day when you have clarity about things that you care about. So that might be in the morning before work, before like your mind becomes muddled by all these random inputs that you're taking in. Um, it might be before you log onto the internet in the morning. It might be at night before bed. Find the, you know, the, the few minutes of clarity that you may have during the day and play the role of the pilot. Figure out what you care about, what your priorities are, what you wanna, how you want to spend your day, um, and probably some more long-term thinking as well. And then the rest of the day, don't think about what you're doing or d- don't worry about making any decisions around how you spend your time. You've already made those decisions when you were the pilot. And now, you know, the rest of the day, you're just the plane and you're just executing on those things. That's kind of the, the, the framework.
0: Yeah. And so kind of tying that into a productivity equation, the pilot aspect of it is the aspect is is the 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 useful bit i.e kind of doing the right things that's what the pilot is setting um the plane aspect of it is the output bit it's actually doing the things and i think there is a third component of this equation of this kind of uh, metaphor and that is the engineer and it's the engineer's job to optimize the whole system so that the plane runs faster and that's and so that the pilot is and and so, and so that like the whole system is more organized and efficient. Yeah. That yeah. That's a nice, uh, a nice little addition. Yes. So pilot plane and engineer. And what I was thinking is that really, I would say about 80 percent of our time, if not more, should be on being the plane. Ten percent of our time should be on being the pilot and maybe five to ten percent of our time should be on being the engineer. How
1: come? Like, because- I mean, just as a, as a first thought, it seems like the pilot has an awful lot of leverage. Like if he, you know, if the pilot makes a wrong decision about what the useful thing is to work on, the plane could be like the best plane in the world, and it would just be a complete waste, right?
0: It would, but I'm I'm thinking in terms of in terms of time. Like let's say an let's say for example in a a standard eight hour workday, you know, spending ten five to ten percent of that time would be spending let's say an hour of that time, or no, a bit less than an hour, like fifty minutes of that time, actually deciding what to do. Okay, and. If you think about like, do you really need 50 minutes every single day to decide what you're going to do? for? Them? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Pro- probably don't. That's yeah. kind of why. But yeah, I agree. The plane, the pilot is a very, very high, high leverage thing. And equally, the engineer whose job is it, it is to kind of optimize the system and keep things oiled, keep things organized. Um, the engineer is also not some as in people who are too much of an engineer will spend years and years reading life hack articles, but not never actually executing on doing the role of the plane, which is yep. actually your main job to yep. be the plane. So the engineer would be about, for example, you know, figuring out ways to increase your typing speed or figuring out a way of, you know, following getting things done methodology to make your to-do list more organized or setting up your calendar. It's, it's mostly these one-off activities that actually lead to huge benefits in the long term for the efficiency of the system. It's not stuff you have to constantly pour time and energy into. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Cool. So that is sort of the 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 kind of mental model that I'm kind of running through, r- running with in this, in this class. Now the thing that I am then thinking is that we split the class up into three, three areas. So principles, strategies, and tools. Um, principles being kind of the theoretical underpinnings of productivity, strategy being kind of actionable advice, life hacks, or or whatever you want to call it. And tools being kind of a discussion about what specific apps people are using for different things. Does that sound reasonable to your head so far?
1: Yeah, that, like the three things are like three different levels of abstraction where the principles are like, the most abstract and then the uh the the third thing was like the most concrete
0: oh yes levels of abstraction nice i'm just writing this phrase down in notion we're not sponsoring this video um not rome what the hell dude it's 20 it's uh,
1: it's uh, it's april 2020 <laughs> it's, it's not february
0: <laughs> so i mentioned i ca- I casually mentioned rome in one of the videos and loads of people in the comments thought i meant rome the city Oh. <laughs> uh, and so there were a few comments being like, you know, uh, everyone. I'm in lockdown. Ali, how do I? How do I get? How do I? How do I find myself around Rome or something? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and I think Are you sure that serious. wasn't
1: a joke. Oh, okay, I don't. I don't that. think
0: it was a joke. I don't think it was a joke. <laughs> um, but no, unfortunately, Rome doesn't have very good uh, team team working thingies. And because it's April 2020, I now have a team to work with. On that note, I've actually recently hired a personal assistant, really? uh, which I'll I'll talk to you about a little bit later. Um, oh, nice. But yeah, so principles, strategy, and tools, different levels of abstraction. So in the principles, we've got the three myths of productivity, we've got the three laws of productivity, and we've got the five powers of productivity. Oh, my. This is looking good, isn't it?
1: Wait, I don't know. I mean, at first, my initial thought is that, like, this is a lot of stuff. There's, like, three plus three plus five.
0: Yes, it is a lot of stuff. That's things? that's slightly the problem. Okay. Is that right. 11? Yeah. Um, so that's partly partly a problem because... Initially, this was all going to be one whole big Skillshare class. But then I realized kind of looking at all the videos we've got planned, this is going to be like 60 videos. And it's going to be like a, you know, many, how long many is hours. The, sorry,
1: how long is a Skillshare video?
0: Oh, like uh, between five and 10 minutes. Oh, okay, right. So it's going to be like quite a lot of hours yeah, of, yeah. of class. And then I sort of casually polled people on my Instagram story that would they prefer... You know one mammoth class, or like a few smaller ones, and it seemed like most people would prefer a few smaller ones, yeah, so then I was thinking, okay, cool, fine, so then you can split it up into you know one class about the principles, one class about the strategy, one class about the tools, but that felt a little bit unsatisfying because because the principles are so abstract and high level, it feels very wishy washy to just have a you know yeah, yeah, 13, yeah. Th- thirteen videos just going over the theory, yeah. And so then I was thinking, okay, well, I guess within the principles, we can also talk about kind of practical ways to apply them. And that's sort of the the, the format that I've arrived on for the first productivity class, yeah. which is this is a productivity equation. This is how we think about productivity. This is pilot plane engineer analogy and how we think about it. Yeah. And here are the six kind of principles, the, the 11 kind of principles, and here are some ways that you can apply them. Yeah. So I, w- I won't run through the strategy and the tools too much because then this podcast would be eight hours long, but I'll just run run through the principles. And I want to hear your thoughts on how you feel about these principles, whether they can be refined, uh, whether there's any actionable points that you would, you would think about adding to these. Okay. Okay. So let's start with the three myths of productivity. Uh, so the first one is the time myth, which is the myth of, quote, I don't have time to do this. Okay. So the, the, reason I, it's a, so the myth is just that I don't have time is a myth. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I don't have time is a myth. Um, and the thesis for that is that it's never that we don't have time. It's just like, it's always that we are actively choosing not to make the time. So I might be tempted to think I don't have time to go to the gym, but that's not true. If I you know, if I had the right motivation, if you were to offer me a million pounds to go to the gym, I would freaking go to the gym. Like that's not, the, the time is not the problem. It's that it's just, it's not high enough on my priority list. And the sooner we recognize that, that actually our time is entirely within our control with almost no exceptions, uh, the sooner we can be like, okay, cool. Now now I can decide, I can actively choose what to do with my time.
1: Yeah, fine. If you, if you truly have limited time then it's not it's not worth like fretting about like oh i have limited time you know you, you it's really there's just no point thinking about that figure out how much time you have and try and make the most of that and try and improve you know whatever like it's just Ooh. it's just like a, it's a pointless thing to think about yeah i think there's a lot of these scenarios where like so, where yeah someone will you know there'll be some like a adv- piece of advice or something or something that's proposed and then someone will have a pushback to it um And I think in a lot of cases, just like the, you know, the, the, the way of thinking that the pushback presents is like, yeah, you might, you might be true. It might be true what you're saying. It might be true that like, there is a there is a ceiling to how good at piano I can personally get, or there is a ceiling to like, uh, you know, how fast I can run. I'm sure that's true. It's just not worth thinking about almost ever. Right. So I think like there, there are objections to like the growth mindset thing. There, there are like these, there's a class of objections, which is basically that like your framework is wrong in my special case. And I think a lot of times in that class of objections, it's like, yeah, you, look, you might be right. Uh, if you're right, well, you know, Good for you. You're right about this thing, but now now you're on your own, and you know you're going to have to find a different productivity
0: class on Skillshare. <laughs> uh, um, and like,
1: yeah, it's just not worth thinking about it. I think,
0: yeah, I think that's a good way of thinking about it. Um, yeah, I like what you said about the about the ceiling of progress when it comes to piano and stuff, because I suppose it be, because in a way, the whole "I don't have time" thing, w- w- whether or not it's actually true for you, like. Th- th- the point of all this, all these frameworks and stuff, isn't to arrive at fundamental truth. Yeah, it's to arrive at models that that are potentially helpful. And for me, and I would I would contend for most people, the model of I I am one hundred percent in control of what I choose to do with my time is more helpful than a model of Well, actually, I you know my circumstances mean that I actually don't have the time to do anything because okay, fine, yeah. You know, at that point, why why are you watching a class about productivity if you actually have to look after your three disabled kids? Um, equally for like the the piano or gym and stuff you know i might think oh you know i don't want to take steroids therefore you know i'm not going to get hench but it's 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 obviously not true like there are so many other things i can do other than taking steroids to get hench yeah i'm not going to be an olympic weightlifter therefore there's no point going to the gym like it's just a completely pointless class of objections yeah 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 and i
1: think there's a nice there's a nice phrase that always comes to mind which is that like when the uh when the student is ready then the teacher appears or something you know you know this phrase right no i haven't actually heard that one before oh well yeah it's like when, when the student is ready the teacher appears or something uh and uh yeah it's like when, whenever i hear someone like putting up that kind of objection my my overarching feeling is that the student is not ready you know <laughs> oh interesting <laughs> they're, 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 they are not ready to be like um, yeah to be taught if you will i think teaching is the word taught is problematic obviously uh but that's for another episode
0: Oh, okay, cool. Right. That makes sense. So yeah, the uh, coming back to the three myths of productivity, this I don't have time is a myth. And uh, I really wanted to have like kind of practical, actionable kind of steps that people can take to incorporate this into their own lives. But apart from it just being a shift of mindset, I am struggling to think of actionable advice. Oh, one thing that some productivity gurus recommend is that if you actually think you don't have time, you literally track every minute of your day for a week and see where all your time is going. And then you'll realize that, oh, actually, you know, I had half an hour of sitting on Instagram every single day. You know, that adds up to four and a half hours in the week. Oh, wow. I actually do have time. Um, Can you think of anything else? Nope. That sounds good for the myth one. Myth number one. Cool. Myth number two is, you guessed it, the motivation myth. (laughs) Ah. And we've hashed this out in a previous episode about motivation, which apparently people people found found quite good. It's one of our most listened to ones, I think. Um, So the one with uh, Callum. No, it's the. It was one of the really early ones. Oh, why we sorry, yeah, with that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and just to kind of rehash the argument. Actually, I've I've re- I've been rehashing it for ages. So why don't you rehash the argument of why motivation is a myth?
1: Gosh, I mean, it's not an argument so much as an assertion. It's just an assertion that motivation is a myth, and all you need is like discipline or something. Uh, basically, like the 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 model of like I motivation first and action, You know, in, in, the model of like inspiration first and then action second that like in, act, inspiration leads to action is just a bit flawed and uh if you speak to anyone who is a I, I use the word professional but i don't mean necessarily that you have to be doing something as a day job but like if you a, a, any professional in any field will tell you that a lot of the time you have to you do the action without the inspiration and the action leads to the inspiration this kind of virtuous cycle but fundamentally you need to get this thing out of your head of like oh, i need to feel like doing this thing before i do the thing
0: yeah absolutely so kind of the the diagram that i would kind of draw for this is on imagine on one side of the diagram you have the thought that okay i should go to the gym on the other side of the diagram you have the action of actually being at the gym and doing some work uh but motivation is sort of this middle ground where i have to feel like going to the gym otherwise i won't go to the gym and it sort of operates on this erroneous assumption that you have to feel like doing the thing before you do the thing but obviously you know every every single morning i don't feel like going to work but it's not an option. Like I'm a professional. I I just go to work. It's, it's, it does not even cross my mind, which kind of actually simplifies the process massively because when I was a medical student, every single day was a real struggle because every single day you had to ask yourself, do I really want to go into work? Do I really want to go into lectures? Do I really want to go into the hospital? (sighs) But when you start working full time and you have that decision taken away from you, it's just absolutely incredible. Equally, I I remember when I was in first year and I was doing rowing all year, it would be, you know, waking up at four o'clock in the morning in the freezing cold to go out, cycle to the boathouse and do some rowing. And the whole like motivation thing is like, oh, I really can't be bothered with this. But actually, you know, if you didn't turn up, you would be letting nine other people down because they wouldn't be able to row without a full boat and they would all have gotten up for no reason. And therefore, every single person got there every single time. Yeah. And it was incredible how just this 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 fear of letting the group down is what gets a lot of people out of bed early in the morning in the cold. And if people can do that, then we can all kind of make promises to ourselves about the things we actually want to do. and. Just do them rather than feeling like we have to do them. Yeah. I, rather find, than I, feel, yeah.
1: I find the social contracts are really helpful for me as well. So like on on days where I have like a, a 9 a.m. phone call or something, then like, you know, even if even if like it's 8.55, I'm like, oh, I'm really tired. I really don't want to take this call or something. I still get out of bed at like 8.59 and take the call at 9. Whereas if there's a day when I don't have any calls in the morning and I'm feeling, oh, I'm tired, whatever, then I'm much more likely to laze around in bed until like 10 a.m. just for no reason um the social contract kind of keeps me honest i think
0: yeah nice yeah and actually i was uh, i was thinking about this because in in the context of the whole coronavirus thing um i'm sure it crossed other people's minds as well just like it crossed mine that hey if i don't want to go to work for a week all i have to do is say that oh i've got a cough and then i would literally have the best excuse in the world to just not go to work for a week and I immediately dismissed that thought, mostly because of the social contract, mostly because of being like, oh, that that would be that would be letting the team down. And I just couldn't bear the thought of that, even even though no one would know and no one would care. And I think that's an important like <laughs> kind of social obligation that we feel like we have.
1: No, I don't think that's the. I don't think the social contract is what's going on, because you've rightly said that no one would know or care. Like you're not doing much work these days at the hospital, right? You're chilling. Like if you don't show up, you're not letting the team down in any way right the team would understand like it's not the social contract you're trying to upkeep this is just a general sense of morality that like you want to do the right thing all right um, and look, okay fine <laughs> it's not the social contract in this case it's just uh it's a story it's that you tell yourself about being, a good, being a good person yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah oh yeah true and then this would contradict my story that i tell myself
1: yeah there's a good there's a there's a good thingy uh, book that i'm reading at the moment um
0: have you heard of adam smith I've heard of Adam Smith, but it's a very common name. <laughs> 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 there was a guy in my, my ear called Adam Smith. <laughs> uh,
1: he's a sort of a economist, philosopher type guy. Uh, I think a lot of people see him as like the father of uh, capitalism in, a, in some sense, the father of economics, father of capitalism kind of thing. He, he was around like the 1700s. Anyway, his, uh, his main kind of work that people know him for is uh a book called the wealth of nations which is about like free market economic stuff and i think he was like the, the first guy to think about the stuff but he also he also wrote some stuff about kind of philosophy morality like you know life and stuff um bit of overthinking uh, on his part and he has this idea of like morality where he, he his model is basically that in each of our heads we have we have an uh, there's something that he calls the impartial observer that like when we're going about our day we feel like you know in our heads we feel like there is an impartial observer kind of watching us and for example if you lied about having a cough you know the social contract is still intact like your coworkers aren't going to be any of the wiser however there will be the this impartial observer will have seen you lying about having a cough and you will be thinking oh man <laughs> the, uh, the impartial observer knows what's up <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh interesting Okay, yeah. I should read the, the Wealth of Nations. Oh, uh, no, no, see, we no. Can it's do not in the Wealth of it. Nations. It's in uh it's it's in one of his uh, uh, more philosophy ones called uh, The Theory of Mor- Moral Sentiments. Oh, interesting. The Theory of Moral Sentiment. Nice. That's good stuff. I will uh, check it out. Anyway, yeah, so um going back to our principle of motivation myth uh, in terms of so in, in terms of practical things, uh, the thesis that we've hashed out in a previous podcast episode about motivation is that okay, fine. This motivation is a myth; is the gold standard. In an ideal world, we would all have the thought, and it would just immediately lead to the action. We would quote just do it. Um, I hope we don't get demonetized for using that phrase. Um, but in in real life, there are probably in in real life, realistically speaking, we all do rely on motivation to some extent. So then the question is, okay, how can we hack the motivation uh, thought processes to make us more likely to do the thing? Um, and what I'm going to say in this class is that we only need motivation to do the things that we, that are short term pain for long-term gain. If, and so if we appreciate that either we can, we can act on the action or we can act on the outcome. If we act on the action, we can make it either more pleasurable or we can make the inaction more painful. So by making the act more pleasurable, you know, just making it more fun. You know, listening to music while you study, being in a nice coffee shop, ordering a cheeky latte. Yeah, thing. So this is basically like all of James Clear's Atomic Habits stuff about like, make, yeah. you know, that, that stuff. Make it easy, make it something, make it something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or we can make the inaction more painful, like putting money on the line, saying, hey, Molly, if I don't go to the gym every single day this week, or if I don't do a home workout, <laughs> sorry, every single day this week, then I will give you a £1,000 and you can just keep it and do what you want with it, type thing. That makes the inaction more painful, which is why deadlines work so much that, you know, you, we all do essays the night before they're due because we know the inaction is more painful than the act itself.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah there's lots of these strategies. They're out, they're all,
0: you know, people have written about them. We've talked about them. Um, yeah. So let's move on to the next thing. Fine. Uh, next myth is... The multitasking myth, and this is a, li- a little bit more sort of less less abstract than time and motivation, but it's just basically that that simple idea that multitasking is a myth. Uh, we should actually be focusing on one task at a time because there's all sorts of evidence about attention residue and task switching being not good for you because it means your attention gets diverted. Bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. Who I thinks think who that's... thinks multitasking is a good
1: idea? I'm not aware of anyone peddling this narrative. And like, my... Mu- how could what does multitasking even look like practically when you're trying to get things done?
0: Uh, okay, so for example, uh, having your inbox open on the side, having your notifications open. As soon as an email comes in, you check the oh, email and it do something okay. with the notification, deal with it, and then task switch back to your main task.
1: Oh, so you don't mean like you know, typing on your keyboard with one hand
0: uh, on one thing and then like, oh, so, mate, I don't know, practicing the guitar with the other hand. So, so my thing is actually I have the mouse in one hand and then I do practice coin rolls on my fingers with the other hand. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> that was how I learned the coin roll because I was like, you know what? It's inefficient for me to have my left hand doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Oh, dude, so why I, don't I just? Yeah,
1: I've, yeah. Had, I've had the same idea. I'm trying to get better at one-handed typing because like, I mean, it's mostly out of laziness because sometimes I'll want to just like, slouch with my head in my ha- on like one hand and just be doing stuff with the other hand and like i feel like i'm okay i'm actually okay at one-handed typing i'm sure i could get up to like i don't know I'm, I'm like 50 words per minute on one-handed typing i'm sure i could get up to like 60 70 um which is like fast enough to do do most things
0: and then yeah the other hand you can just like do whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave All it right, there we, to, we uh we need to make sure this is not an r-rated podcast <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. Uh so we've done the 3 myths of productivity. Uh we're now on the 3 laws of productivity. So starting with Parkinson's law, which is pretty standard productivity advice, the idea that work expands to fill the time available to it, available for it. This was actually written by a uh, a British historian called Cyril Parkinson, believe it or not, in 1955, and he was looking at uh kind of the British civil service over the years and realized that everything in government takes absolutely ages. Partly because they have absolutely ages to do simple projects and therefore these kind of unru- un, sort of uh, go wildly out of, out of proportion complexity wise. Yeah. Um, in terms of practical advice about applying Parkinson's law, I was thinking simple things like setting artificial deadlines or, you know, actively blocking out time. That, OK, I- I'm only going to give myself half an hour to do this particular thing. I also really like I think Peter Thiel's idea that um, you, we all like a lot of people like to have this kind of 10 year plan. And Peter Thiel's idea is that think about why can't you just achieve your 10-year plan in the next six months? Yeah. And like, sure, it might it might not be possible, but it's a it's a useful exercise just anyway, because it like, it really makes you think, okay, if I actually had to, if I actually only had six months to, to do this thing that I've been planning to do for 10 years, yeah. what would I focus on? Can you think of anything else to apply Parkinson's law?
1: No, I think that's pretty good. I think this is something I'm particularly bad at personally. Yeah, how so? Uh, we talked about in previous episodes where like, I know I can like, I know, you know, for work stuff, I could do it on the weekend. I could do it late at night. I can do it whenever I want. And so I have a tendency to, you know, work less productively during the day or whatever, because I know I can kind of make up for it deep down.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of stupid. Nice. Yeah. And I think for me, like Parkinson's Law is one of the main reasons why, I mean, apart from the fun thing, why I am, quote, productive. Because when you get home from work at like 8 p.m. and you've got to churn out a video by 10 p.m. that night, then there's just no option but to churn out the video. Yeah. And, it just gets done. Whereas on days where I have a whole day to film a video, I don't do it until 10pm in the nighttime. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, procrastination and all that. Cool. Next uh, principle or law is the Pareto principle, which is the 80-20 rule, which is the idea that 20% of the inputs lead to 80% of the outputs in most things in life. Uh, This was originally came up with like a few hundred years ago, I think, when looking at Italian landowners uh, and realized that 20% of the population owned 80% of the land. Uh, Now that's very much uh out of proportion to that in that like one percent of the population owns like ninety percent of the land, but this applies to a lot of things in life as well, yeah, and then in terms of practical advice, I was thinking like the whole minimalism philosophy is very good for that that we actually we probably only wear twenty percent of our wardrobe like eighty percent of the time, so yeah. we we can think about chucking out the remainder eighty percent that's taking up all this space, yeah, I wonder if you can think of anything else that would apply to this productivity wise uh I'm a big fan of this, I feel like i I'm, I'm
1: I'm always thinking about this. But I I always think about it in stupid contexts, like <laughs> when I'm brushing my teeth, I think hmm, so this, this, <laughs> two, this minutes. Is two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> really how many? How like... many? How many minutes do you actually need? <laughs> uh, yeah, precisely. Like what's? Yeah. If I if I do for one minute, that's like is that like ninety percent of the, uh, the benefit?
0: <laughs> and then like, I should... I'm sorry, go on. So so on the on the note of brushing teeth, recently I've realised that my teeth are a lot whiter than they've ever been before and people have actually been commenting in like videos and stuff being like oh y- your teeth look like a shining beacon type type situation e- even even on things like these zoom calls like i'm smiling yeah at you they now. do look white dude nice and do you know why they look white are you are using whitening toothpaste uh i've been using whitening toothpaste for years you're not drinking so, tea or something like that uh, no it's not it's not even that it's one simple high measure change i got an electric toothbrush for like 20 quid which d- pauses slightly every every 30 seconds and at the end of four cycles of 30 seconds, i.e. at the end of two minutes, it does like so you know that you've brushed your teeth for two minutes. So, so it is actually that. that
1: you have been brushing for two minutes that you think it's, makes yeah. them
0: whiter. Exactly. Like, I, like no. in, in the past, in the past, like I would always guesstimate the two minutes. I'd be like, okay, that's probably right. But now I realize just how long two minutes actually is. Because Wait, bro, you actually used
1: to try and do two minutes.
0: Yeah, mate, obviously. You're supposed to brush your teeth for two minutes. I care about my teeth.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. All right.
0: Really, <laughs> not that much of a productivity powerhouse if, really, if I've actually been brushing my teeth for two minutes. But no, because because now I do 30 seconds in each quadrant of my mouth. <laughs> right. And and it tells me, and it's just taken all the friction out of brushing my teeth and thinking about the timing. And within like two weeks of owning this toothbrush, people started commenting on how white my teeth were looking.
1: That's mental. All right. I should...
0: Yeah, I've been holding off on the electric toothbrush thing for a
1: while. Um, yeah, I feel like but it because, ruins the fun. Yeah. Brushing your teeth. Yeah, the tactile uh, you know, and the nature of like, and then I try and have a little game yeah. where I try and see like how how fast can I like move it
0: So I decide to like make it brush. You know, like all this kind of stuff. I, I I guarantee an electric toothbrush is faster than your hand hand motion. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll get an electric um, toothbrush. So uh, uh, on on that note, I was. I actually looked up the Wirecutter article about this. So for those who are unfamiliar, Wirecutter is a good website that does reviews on everything. So if you just type in best electric toothbrush Wirecutter, they will review like 500 of them and tell you what the best one is. And basically what they were saying, like the first question is, do I really need an electric toothbrush? And what they were saying is that the only benefit of an electric toothbrush, like all these fancy features don't mean anything. But the the main benefit is the timing, the fact that it times two minutes for you. And I was like, "Okay, I'm sold. And then my teeth became white from like two weeks after that. So it's sick. Damn.
1: All right. I've added that to my room to
0: do tasks. Yeah, I was actually on Wirecard earlier to look for
1: a TV. Um, so I will get back on it to look TV. for a toothbrush. Yeah, we're getting a new TV for the house.
0: <laughs> Wait, for the house house or for your flat. The house house. Really? Yeah. How did you convince? How do you, How did you convince me of that,
1: mate? It's been a long. It's been a long, <laughs> <laughs> a long and strange trip.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's been happening? Like, what was the because it's, it's been very resistant yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it's, it's it's sort of like back in the day when you knew that you want to get a laptop two years from now so you start sowing the seeds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah be like hey so the computer's getting a bit slow and then two months later being like oh yeah so the computer crashed today <laughs> <laughs> and then you build up the narrative over time
1: yeah i think fundamentally mimi just doesn't like wasting things and and she's like happy she's like fine with the tv so she sees it as like wasteful but my argument was like look there's two of us that live in the house You care about some things and you don't care about others. I care about some things and I don't care about others. The TV is something that I care about and you don't care about. So, like, you lose nothing and I gain stuff if we get a new TV. And, like, you can't really argue with that, right? Like, it's a very reasonable thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, but... (laughs) <laughs> since when was that never mind let's leave it at that uh cool so that was the pareto principle the 80 20 rule so you applied to brushing your teeth um can you think of any other ways to apply it to productivity itself other than just kind of keeping it in the back of our minds mm. i mean like I, I i sort of apply a lot to preparing for exams because often it is the 20 percent of core content that if you really understand actually contributes to 80 percent of the marks and it's so easy when we're trying to revise for exams to really to go into the minutiae because we don't want to miss anything but actually if you just focus on the big picture you can get most of the way there and most of the way there is all you really need
1: yeah i think that's good for exams to be honest the way i the way i kind of think about this is less as like what is the 20% of stuff that i should focus on and i i i rather use it as a as like a continual process so like if you know if you're writing A blog post, for example, you know, like you should, you know, I I tend not to do it like sequentially. Of like, let's write, let's nail the intro, then let's nail the next bit, and then the next bit. You kind of you start zoomed out, and then you slowly kind of zoom in. So you do like a first draft, which is like the twenty percent of the work, which yeah, which is like the twenty takes twenty percent of the time, and is like eighty percent of the work of getting like a basic structure. And then you kind of do another eighty twenty on that, and another eighty twenty on that, and kind of yeah, you know, keep progressively adding more stuff rather than approaching every task sequentially so for for example if you were praying for exams a bad way to do it is probably like okay there's like 10 different topics i'm going to spend week one doing topic one week two doing topic two and so on you know you want to get the the basics in all the topics and then the next level of detail in all the topics and then the next level of detail so like it's like a it's like a continual process of like 80 20 whatever that you,
0: whatever work Life. left yeah yeah and th- that is how I actually think about exams. I, so I sort of think of it as sort of a blank canvas and you want to start off by filling that canvas as much as possible Yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah, broad the broad brush strokes and yeah. then on- and then you want to do another pass where you fill a little bit more detail. And yeah. then another pass where you fill a little bit more detail rather than focusing on that, you know, first 1/16th of the quad- of the- of the canvas and kind of perfecting that first. Yeah. Yeah, well I remember back in my
1: exam days I uh the thing I always used to think was like okay if, if if the exams were tomorrow, <laughs> what would I be most scared about?
0: <laughs> oh, mate, this is literally my exact thought <laughs> process. I've been saying this in video since like really? 2017. Oh, nice. <laughs> the, 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 the way I phrase it is, if the exam were tomorrow, what would I most... Piss, oh, uh, which, which topic would I be most pissed off about? Uh, okay. or, or something like that, just to yeah, yeah. kind of really drive it home and be like, okay, cool, I need to learn how to examine the testicles. <laughs> 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 which right. I said in one of, my, uh, one of my Study With Me videos in, in 2018. Yeah. That wasn't for yeah, example. Cool. Uh, no, that was for real life. Uh, anyway, let's move on. So, third law. So so far we've done three myths and two laws, and then we'll just kind of blitz through the rest because we've been recording for how long? Have been? Well, it's only forty-four minutes. That's fine. People can live through this. Uh, the third law of productivity is Newton's first law of motion. So, Tamo, can you remember what Newton's first law of motion is?
1: Is this the one about like it's not F equals ma? That's it's no, not that one. That that's Newton's second law. famously. Yes. The first law is that. The, the sort of the, the casual phrasing is like that every action has equal opposite reaction
0: or something. Uh, very good, but that's the third law. <laughs> oh, damn. What's the first law? <laughs> the first law is that an object remains at rest or in constant motion unless acted on by an external imbalanced force.
1: I mean, I, so I thought about that, but that is F equals MA.
0: Uh, F equals MA is a corollary of that. But no, the first okay. law is... Without without resultant forces, an object is at is either at rest or it's moving at a constant velocity.
1: Okay, fine. I thought that was F a equals MA. F equals
0: M A, where A no F equals M A is a sort of a special case of that that takes the mass into account.
1: Oh, okay, fine. Uh-huh. Yeah. I guess anyway,
0: so. so that's Newton's first law: an object is at rest or at constant motion unless acted on by an external imbalanced force. And so applying this to productivity, it's basically that it's so hard to get started at doing anything because it requires an external force to get you started. But once you're in motion it actually doesn't require any additional force to keep you in motion. And so if we can if we can sort of think about that in terms of how we actually get stuff done, like the thing that people struggle with most often is the plane taking off, like actually sitting down and getting started and doing the work, yeah. which is why there's all sorts of these productivity hacks that, you know, convince yourself you're only going to do it for 30 seconds. Or instead of saying, I'm going to read 10 pages of this book, to tell yourself, I'm going to read two words of this book, because you'll realize that once you get started, it's actually a lot easier to keep going. And getting started was the hard part, yeah. and I think that's a really important principle to keep in mind because whenever we are struggling with anything, if we can just get started, then it's a, it's all good. And another thing that just kind of came to mind is uh, Keystone Habits, uh, which is sort of relevant relevant to this, but never mind. Anyway, so we've done the three principles, we've we, we, we've done the three myths, the the three laws. Let's just quickly go through the five powers of productivity, and I'm I'm open to cutting these down. It would be nice for these to become three powers because then it's like three list a three list of three. Yeah. So the first one is the power of habits, basically about how habits are like the best thing ever. The second one was the power of consistency. But I, th- I feel like both are basically sort of the same thing. Yeah, this feels like there's a lot of overlap there. So potentially those could be paired together. Mm. The third is the power of the flow state. Like, mm. you know, there's all this, all this stuff. The, for example, psychologist uh, Mihaly Chizen Mihaili popularized the term flow state in the 1990s it's defined as an optimal state of consciousness where we feel our best and perform our best people are labeling it as being in the zone whatever but basically being hyper focused at the task at hand um i wonder if that can go into the myth of multitasking actually maybe it can and then that ah perfect okay so we've got consistency which is part of habits we've got uh okay so now we have three powers of productivity this is perfect this is good stuff um this so so the first power of that is the power of consistency slash the power of habits. Uh, which is fairly obvious stuff. The second one is the power of productive downtime. Ah. Oh. Um, so, for example, for you, it's watching David Dobrik vlogs while sitting on the toilet. For me, it's replying to YouTube comments while sitting on the toilet. <laughs> um, or you or watch example, David
1: Dobrik vlogs too. Yeah. <laughs> Don't pretend
0: like <laughs> I'm, I'm the one who does this. T- <laughs> Look, I have to sell myself as being a productivity powerhouse, and that does, I suppose, because I'm a I'm a YouTuber watching David Dobrik vlogs actually makes sense. Actually, on that note, um, I've I've signed up to this like eight week uh, YouTube coaching program type thing. What is that? Where every week they give you assignments and you have like a live Zoom call with people from all around the world, kind of with when like the coaches and stuff talking about how to grow your YouTube channel. And the assignment for this week is to find five YouTube channels that you would never normally watch and analyze what it is about them that makes them work. Nice. So I I found this channel called Madeline Petch or something like that. Have you heard of her? Nope. She is one of the actresses in Riverdale. Um, And so she and she's got like five million plus subscribers on YouTube. And like a lot of the Riverdale cast has their own YouTube channels. And they've got the sort of like in the millions of sub- subscribers, obviously, cause it's a big TV show. Um, and it was just weird things like, you know, like, like makeup tutorials and like cook with me and boyfriend tag and stuff that I would never normally watch. And I was yeah, like, e- yeah, no, yeah. There was, it, was, it was even an ASMR video in there that was surprisingly <laughs> addictive. So <laughs> I've, I've been watching all of this stuff for science is, is what I'm saying.
1: Dude, I told you this literally like three months ago. I said, hey, Ollie, you don't, you, all you do is watch productivity stuff. You should be consuming YouTube content outside of your normal sphere so you can pick up
0: some tricks and stuff. And you're like, oh, yeah, whatever, man. Look, I started watching David Dobrik because of that recommendation. Okay, fine. And I have wasted hours and hours of my life so far. Nice. <laughs> anyway, um, productive downtime as well. So that's something that I, I quite like. It's, it's like at work um, and in the hospital. It's not that there is work to do 24-7. It's like there are lots and lots of moments of downtime where you're waiting for a patient to arrive or you happen to have no patients on the ward or you've done your job to the afternoon. You've got an hour to kill before going home. Um, looking around at work, most people would kind of be on their phone kind of scrolling Instagram from the kind of pulling that I've I've casually done but I always take my iPad or my laptop with me to work for that very reason because I can't really be productive on my phone but if I bash out the laptop or bash out the iPad it means I can I can do stuff which means my time the amount of stuff that I squeeze out with my time is m- massively increased because there's all these random moments of downtime throughout the day yeah uh, have you do you do any productive downtimey things or are you big on oh man I just want to relax what do you mean by productive downtime I suppose it's different for you because you kind of do your own thing. Whereas for me, I I, ha, I have to clock in at work at 8 a.m. and clock out at 5 p.m. Right. And so when there's nothing to do at work, it's not that I can just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, sh- I should do something with that time, given that I'm at work during that time.
1: Okay. Uh. Yeah, I guess I don't really do product. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't think this really applies to me. Okay, fine.
0: And finally, the, the power of productive procrastination. So I think this is something that you would resonate with. So it's, it's, it's the idea that if you can make your procrastination actually productive in some, in some sort of way, that's actually useful. So for example, for me... Back in the day, procrastination used to be browsing web design inspiration or, you know what, I should be doing this thing, but actually I'm going to go down this rabbit hole about reading about this thing, which yeah. actually turns out to be quite useful, or I should be doing this thing, but I'm just going to play some piano beca- and kind of just do some interval training with this uh, or this uh, um, musical interval training app that I started using, right. which is sort of like pr- productive procrastination. I'm procrastinating from doing what I sh- actually should be doing, but that procrastination is inherently productive. Yeah, I. I, it's useful.
1: I think it's great. This is how I, This is how I got into playing the piano in fourth year. I just I didn't want to like sit at my desk and do work, and so I just went on the piano instead. I, I mean, I was lucky that I borrowed a piano from my friend who lived in the room next to me. But yeah, I think it
0: really works. Cool. So, do you have any kind of actionable tips that you can take uh, that people can take from the theory of productive procrastination? Yeah,
1: I think it comes to like environment design. Ooh,
0: interesting. Tell me more.
1: Like uh, I don't know if it if it's like for example the piano thing in fourth year. I didn't have like a particularly big room. I had my, like, my computer and stuff set up on my desk. And then I had the piano, like, on the windowsill sort of thing. And the piano was just basically always there. There was no friction for me to, like, get up and go and start playing it. And so I just kept doing it. Whereas if it took, like, two steps of, like, oh, I have to, like, go and plug the thing in because it's not always plugged in, then, like, I just wouldn't have done it as often.
0: Yeah, that's very true. This is another thing that James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits that... If you struggle with playing the PlayStation too much, then literally every time you play it, just like unplug it and put it in the cupboard because just those two steps of having to take it out of the cupboard and un- and plugging it in again massively increases the friction to playing the PlayStation, which means you're less likely to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One thing I've started doing is that like if, if my phone is at my desk, I'll often get distracted. And so like whenever I notice myself getting distracted, I'll like chuck my phone across the room onto like the bed yeah. and then
0: like I can't just access it without getting up. So then I just don't go on it. <laughs> oh yeah mate i had this i i had that this morning like i got up at like 9 a.m and because i don't have my phone in bed with me it was across across the room and i was thinking that okay i i kind of want to go on my phone right now but it's across the room so i can't be bothered to go on my phone you know what i might just i might as well just lie in bed getting bored for five minutes and then and then get up and get out of bed yeah whereas if i had my phone on the bedside table i would have spent three hours just lying in bed on my phone because yeah that that would have been my uh vegetative state at that point So yeah, productive procrastination, environment design. Yeah, I think that's some pretty practical stuff. And then the final thing that I was going to talk about is just kind of the fun factor and basically talking about how fun kind of bleeds into all elements of productivity. Because if you can have fun doing the thing, then actually you're you're winning at life. Yeah, 100%. Does that sound all right? Have you got any any practical tips on how to enjoy the things that you do more? Like when you were studying for your exams and stuff or kind of doing work, presumably you don't enjoy 100% of it. Like how do you talk yourself into enjoying it?
1: Um, I think to a large extent, I try and think that like, if I'm not enjoying this, then I'm the mug here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm choosing to like, you know, for like, like university or whatever, I, I chose to go to university. I chose to spend four years like studying this random stuff. Like if I'm, if I'm not enjoying it, I'm just like, yeah, I'm a total knob. <laughs> like I've just screwed myself. <laughs> and and you know there was there was a there was a, a particularly interesting moment in for i think it was like third year or fourth year or something and i think i was thinking something along the lines of man why is life so like difficult or something i wish i could just be living in like the naruto world where like all i care about is this one thing of like you know being a ninja becoming hokage or something and i'm really jealous of like naruto that he can just like focus on this one thing <laughs> And then I, was there, then I realized, wait, that is literally the setup I have right now. I, I was meant to come to this university for four years to literally focus on one thing and just like do some maths. Like that's all. Yeah, <laughs> that is exactly what my life is right now. Um, and so, yeah, it's always, yeah, I that, that was a,
0: a funny little thought that I had. <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> and so from that point on, did you? Stop! no I sp- um, I sp- no obviously not
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't have any long-term benefit it was just a funny thought <laughs>
0: <laughs> like i'm trying to i'm trying to tease out actionable strategies about how people can enjoy stuff a bit more
1: you're looking at the wrong places mate <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, i thought this was going to be a profound point i might include this in the Skillshack class and just cut out the final bit where you're where you're admitting that you're a waste man
1: <laughs> yeah dude i haven't got any secrets <laughs>
0: Okay, no, but okay. I, I I think this is a good phrase though. If I'm not enjoying this, I'm the mug here. <laughs> if I'm not enjoying this, I'm a total knob. I'm just great. <laughs> That's very good. I might put that on a poster. Yeah, nice. Okay, good stuff. Um, anything else you want to add about productivity? The, 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 this is going to be basically the structure of my Skillshare class number one. That sounds pretty solid. Nice, nice, cool. I think we're we're done there. Then, so what's your what's your insight of the week? Let me check up my my, my notes in Rome. Oh, here's my insight of the week. Right. So a couple weeks ago, I watched a
1: film called Knives Out. I think I told you about this. Very good film. You did. You said it was great. It's like a murder mystery type thing. Okay. And the feeling I always have when I'm watching something like a murder mystery or like any kind of mystery film is that there's always a moment like during the film when I kind of, when I, I'm kind of explicitly aware of the fact that, wait, someone literally like sat in a room, worked backwards from this ending. To like add all these twists and stuff that make that seem really clever and whatnot, and like someone just sat here sat there and made it all up, and now I'm laughing it all up. And, like at some point during any kind of mystery film, I think they just worked back from the ending. Like, oh, there's obviously some skill going on, but like, <laughs> you know, I'm just like someone someone made a bunch of stuff up, and now here I am like spending two hours watching it, um, and I think that's funny because like. That's obviously true of any film or t v shit right like someone someone sat there and made some stuff up and now watch
0: it it's also, it's also, it's, also, it's also very true of books which last like hundreds of hours rather than just the two hours yeah to, yeah watch yeah watch exactly. for.
1: but I, I don't know <laughs> yeah. i always, I always feel like a bit of a mug during like mystery <laughs> mystery stuff, but then it, like the obvious like next thing is like well, that's just all kinds of you know art that you consume right um
0: exactly. So we yeah, sat there and made it up, just like we've just basically sat here and made up all this productivity stuff. And I'm going to turn it out into a Skillshare class, hopefully over the next few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that's my insight. Deeply insightful. Nice. Uh, that is, that's a good insight. Um, my insight is I've started, I've started trying to use Twitter a bit more. Um, so I always, I feel, I kind of want some advice on this front because I always feel a bit, I, 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 st- I still get massive imposter syndrome on Twitter. In that. What does that mean? In that, So, for example, on Instagram, I can shit post on Instagram and I, I, don't, I don't actually care. Like, you know, I can just kind of post what I'm doing my day or put a poll or something because I know people are going to respond to it and people are going to like it. Whereas on Twitter, I feel like like I've, I've now got like 13,000 followers or something after Jack Edwards, another st- st- study tuber, like t- tweeted about me like yesterday, which okay. like got a huge influx of followers. I've got like 13,000 followers on Twitter now. But I feel like the people I'm talking to are, for example, like the tech bros. And therefore, I feel like there's a higher barrier of of stuff for what I'm allowed to put on Twitter, rather than yeah, if you, if you get what I mean. So I feel like sort of imposter syndrome. So like yesterday, I put out, I would go like, hey guys, I'm doing a 600k subscribers Q and A. By the way, I hit 600,000 subscribers yesterday. Thank you. Oh, nice. Congrats. Dude. That's uh, um, that's a big step. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, p- I posted it on Twitter and then I, I sort of said, Hey, use the hashtag, hashtag ask Ali, or something. And I had to sort of suffix it with, uh, uh, like so something like, Oh, I think that's how this Twitter thing works just hey, because I, I, I felt really, I saw the tweet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I just feel a bit, a bit, a bit of an imposter on Twitter. I don't know how to get over this.
1: Uh, yeah, I think you just have like the wrong, the wrong kind of, me- it depends on what Twitter communities you're in, but actually these days in most of the Twitter communities that I'm in, there is like a, there's a big backlash against like against, like, insight tweets. Like, you uh, know, some, some people yeah. treat Twitter as some, like, pissing contest of, like, oh, I want, like, the most pithy, like, little insightful nuggets that I can tweet to get loads of likes. Yeah. And fine. Some people do that. You, you get lots of likes. You get lots of followers. Good for you. Um, the people... The, yeah, the communities that I'm in, you know, it's more about just, like, keeping it real, int- you know, connecting with your fellow man, all that kind of stuff. And so, like, ship- ship posting is very highly appreciated. Um, and, like... <laughs> I mean I guess it depends on it depends on what the ship post is but like yeah it's late it'll it, it be really lame for me to like try and tweet some and like tweet really well phrased like insight yeah. thing like I would get you know <laughs> I'd get unfollowed for that and I should get unfollowed <laughs> <laughs> Um that would
0: just be really lame so it's just
1: you know don't try and play that game basically it's a stupid
0: game to play so how should I be thinking about what goes on Twitter versus what does So, for example, this morning I had a, had a very nice poo. It was like a six on the, on the Bristol stool chart. It came out very nicely. <laughs> Is that the sort of thing that I'd be like, I just had a great poo, lads, on, on Twitter?
1: Uh, that's probably the kind of thing that I wouldn't... Because, look, ultimately, pe- you know, people are going to be reading this thing. So it should be meaningful or valuable in that context. In the poo context, like in the context of your six on the Bristol stool chart... Like, there's no, there's no, you know, it's not, like, funny, for example. So, like, you know, people aren't going to get enjoyment from it. It doesn't, like, share a meaningful part of yourself with the world. Um, unless you really think that is a very meaningful part of yourself. Uh, it's, so, yeah, just, like, on any kind of reasonable heuristic for, like, is this worth tweeting about. It's not really worth tweeting about. Um, the stuff okay, that, like. Uh, what are those
0: reasonable heuristics? Yeah, I'm because... just
1: looking through my past tweets. Okay, so I think, like, I think jokes always always like if you think it's funny tweet it like it's
0: just okay, yeah yeah
1: yeah so any, anything that's funny i did a good one recently I, a few people have been uh, posting about you know like pictures of their cities uh without any people in them like with no cars yeah. no pollution and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and i did a i did a tweet <laughs> entitled uh oh, amazing view of london without cars or pollution and then the picture is uh, a picture of the hidden leaf village from Naruto. <laughs> so good so like yeah i think funny stuff you always want to do it um like there is okay so there is some like i guess like insightful is the wrong word but for example i I tweeted last week just so i was writing this blog post just reached the trough of disillusionment where everything i'm writing in this article seems obvious and not worth
0: saying we journey on
1: and like i think that was worth tweeting because like yeah
0: it can I think that a lot of people can relate to.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's like relatable. Like it's I think it's like a it was it was like a meaningful part of my my experience at that point
0: in time. Um
1: yeah, so like yeah, I, I don't know, man.
0: Mate, I'm looking for some actionable advice here and you, and you and you're not delivering right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like look, just keep it real, man.
0: <laughs> keep it real, but don't talk about your poo.
1: Yeah, like the poo thing's just not that interesting. I mean, if is that really that interesting to you that you'd want to tweet about it? No, it's not really. Uh, I mean... Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, no, it's not. It was just a throwaway example. Yeah, so... Okay, fine. I'll, I'll try keeping it real. And good insight. All right. Anything else? I think, I think, we're, I think we're done. I think we're done. Let's
1: just... Uh, re- we haven't read a review for a couple of weeks, so let's, let's read a oh, review. Yes. Uh, let's, uh, let me open up chartable.com. <laughs> um, all right. This, this looks like a nice one from... Oh, from uh, none other than Kanye West. In the United States of America. Uh, It's entitled, Thank You, Tabor and Ali. This is the best podcast I've ever listened to. Genuinely, I've tried to listen to all sorts of other podcasts, but I haven't been able to enjoy any of them the way I enjoy this, even Tim Ferriss's. Sorry, Ali. Uh, The blend of thoughts-provoking insights and interesting information but all within the context of a charming and humorous conversation between two brothers who aren't too professional about it and just having a good discussion is incredible seriously bravo i love the podcast the chemistry you two have is undeniably great and we love your dynamic slash sense of humor i've learned a lot and with this conversation based method it's a lot better as opposed to the spoon feeding of information and straight-lined agenda-driven style of similar podcasts we love the warm family-ish atmosphere i don't have a shortage of good things to say about the podcast as you may be able to tell keep it up lads from Khalid, a second year uni Student in the U.S. whose uh, Apple review name is Kanye West. Um, that's nice. Yeah, I like. Uh, I like that it doesn't feel spoon feedy. I actually. One thing I'm interested to know is, you know, we get comments and reviews saying that like I've learned a lot from this, or like this has impacted my life in some way. Outside of outside of share entertainment, which I think is meaningful, but like pe- people are claiming that they that the podcast has had some. More than just entertainment effect on their lives, I'm highly skeptical of this <laughs> So if anyone like if anyone has actually yeah I'm skeptical of this for the same reason that I'm just skeptical of like the whole um productivity content machine, which is that it feels like you it feels like you're learning something and it feels like this is helping you, but certainly in my experience, it often doesn't, so I would be very interested to hear about like tangible way you know. If I don't think I I doubt many people have had this experience, but if you have had some like tangible changes to your life in terms of how you think about stuff or how you do stuff,
0: that would be interesting to hear about because I don't buy it. So I think you're over-indexing on the, on the tangible front. Like a lot of the stuff we talk about isn't really tangible. Like, we have the quote action points at the end of the episode where where we were like, hey, you know, we should decide to put more effort into our friendships and therefore set up a Slack team for our friends, which just ended up never happening. Okay, that no, would no, no, be I a tangible thing, for example. I don't
1: mean that tangible. Okay. But by tangible, yeah. I, I just mean like, yeah, like I think t- tangible, the, something that would qualify as tangible is like, oh, you know, when I hang out with my friends, I think about this when, whereas previously I used to think about something else or like the way it, you know when i like meet new people i like approach it in this way whereas previously i approached yeah that's tangible enough for me i'm not saying like sh- show me your calendar <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm not saying anything like
0: that okay uh, so some sort yeah. of change change in mental model kind of before and after yeah yeah sure sounds reasonable that would All right, be oh, yeah. uh, uh, interesting to hear about s- send in your your uh, tweets at and overthinking or emails at hi at notoverthinking.com voice played publicly that's fine as well tweet or dm us at n overthinking on twitter please thanks again for
1: listening and we'll see you next time